Hello, everybody. Welcome to church. So glad to have you here. My name's Evan. Uh, I'm the lead pastor of Northgate. And uh, if you're new here, we're so glad that you sort of pop by. Uh, we never know how people get here uh, at this time uh, in this season or an online church because you may be scrolling through Facebook and saw it. Maybe someone shared it with you and uh, you just decided to pop in and see what church was all about. And, uh, and we're just so glad that you're here and that you get to be a part of it with us. And, and uh, this is just as real as if we were gathering in a physical location. Most people who are watching right now would rather be gathering in a physical location, but that doesn't mean this is any less real. The Holy Spirit can impact you right here, right now, in the space that you're at, in your living room, in your kitchen, uh, wherever you're watching this from, uh, the Holy Spirit can touch your life and is, is with you and present. And so we just believe that God wants to do something in your life. Amen? Amen. It's awesome to be here. Well, we're in a new series, as you just saw. Uh, we we uh, wrapped up just our, our two-week series that we were doing called Not Phased. And uh, we just wanted to do that quickly to sort of give the church a little bit of an update on kind of the efforts that we're making in this season and why we're making them and, and uh, how we're responding in the, in the time of COVID and uh, just recognizing that God has good things to do right now in our midst. But I'm really excited, just so you know, I'm really excited to now be in a series that isn't just all based around COVID and our response to it. I'm excited to be sharing from Scripture uh, uh, in, in, a, in a bit of a different capacity. I've been looking forward to this series for a while. It came up in my heart months ago, and uh, I just wanted to share uh, a, a little bit about some of who God is and what He has done through Israel, through His people in the Old Testament, but how it's connected to the New Testament. And so I'm really, really pumped for it. I hope you're going to learn something in this series. I hope that uh, Jesus is going to touch your life that you're going to allow him to, to, to move in you and, and uh, no matter where you're at right now, some of us I know are without jobs right now, some of us I know are dealing with loss right now, some of us I know are in challenging positions right now, some of us uh, are, are figuring out how to wrap up school with our kids and entering a summer that looks so different than it ever did. We're all in different seasons of life right now, but I want you to know that Jesus wants to impact your life, and, uh, and so we're going to work through this series that's called Bread in the Wilderness. Is that not the best name you've ever heard or What? Uh, I mean, I probably most of you are like, what in the world could a series uh, called Bread in the Wilderness be about? And uh, hopefully we're going to learn a lot about that as time goes on. Um, just a, a, a week and a half ago, uh, a new season of Alone started. And uh, I don't know if there's any other Alone fans. If you're a, an Alone fan, go ahead and write something in the comments. Say, I'm a fan! Woo! Uh, but but uh, Alone started again. And Alone, I, I liked it when I first saw it because... When the first season of Alone came out, uh, it took place on Vancouver Island. And they were calling it one of the hardest places to live in the world, to survive in the, in the world. And so they would take these contestants and then just plunk them down in, in a spot. They're all on their own. They have five square miles that they can be within. Uh, they can't talk to anyone else. They, they, they miss their families. They deal with predators. They deal with starvation. <clears throat> they deal with all sorts of the cold, the weather trying to figure out shelter, all of this stuff. And, and this new one just started, it's in the Arctic. 
There's one Canadian uh, girl on it, and I'm rooting for her. I'm pumped to, to see her on there. Uh, but but the, se- season ha- the series has always been exciting for me. I've really thought it was so cool. And, and what happens is right when they get dropped off, they, they, they're instantly trying to figure a few things out. Like they, they land usually by helicopter, they, they get dropped, they, they see that, you see the helicopter fly away, they've got one camera, and then there's been this camera gear that's been dropped off for them. And in this season, one person who shows up sees his camera gear, and on day one, and it's got claw marks from a bear. <laughs> like day one, I'd, my, the helicopter's flying away, there's my camera gear, it's like, like okay, uh, here's where we are. So right away, they're trying to establish themselves. Like, how am I going to survive here? They're trying to survive for 100 days. How am I going to survive for 100 days in the Arctic as we head on into the winter? And so they're trying to figure out a few things right away. Where am I going to find shelter? You know, I need to find a good spot. Maybe, do, do I want some tree coverage or do I want it to be open? Like, I want to be thinking about what, what I'm going to be building it with. I've got one tarp and a few supplies that I can survive with, but, but how am I going to build the shelter? They're trying to figure out what predators am I dealing with. In the very first uh, episode of this new season, someone bumped into a bear, someone bumped into a wolverine. Uh, uh, like they're, they're seeing all sorts, all sorts of things. Then, then they're also trying to figure out where am I going to find water? And then the last thing is, how am I going to get food? Now, how am I going to survive in this wilderness? How am I going to survive in this space that, that, that I don't have what I need? How am I going to do it? And so uh, it's the, the very first episode in this season was crazy because one guy like pulls out his bow and arrow and, and gets himself a porcupine. Hopefully I didn't spoil it if you're going to go back and watch it. One guy throws a rock at a squirrel and it's like, what? Like, how did you even do that? Uh, you know, they're, they're finding, finding meals. One guy, he has a fire, and, and uh, in his log, all of these uh, ants are climbing out. He goes, oh, great, breakfast. And he just starts, nom, 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 nom. And he just st- starts eating whatever he can because they've all watched the se- series before. They've all learned what survival is like in the wilderness. They all know that, that one of the greatest challenges is finding food. So usually the first real meal they get, they're, they're all emotional and crying and thankful. Because surviving in the wilderness is no easy feat. Most people end up losing on the show because they get too skinny. They can't find the nutrition they need. They can't, they can't manage themselves. And so that's why one of the greatest miracles that we see in the entire Bible is this moment. It's not just a moment, it's years actually, when Israel is in the wilderness living in the wilderness with many million, several million people, two to three million people, and somehow surviving. It's an incredible story, and that's what we're looking at for the next little while. A couple weeks ago, I talked about when Israel left Egypt. They were enslaved by Egypt for 400 years, and uh, in those 400 years, uh, they, they were just slaves. They got worse and worse conditions over time because they were growing fruitful and, and multiplying and all of this stuff. Eventually, all these plagues happen. There's this mass exodus. They all go out with the power of God, uh, but on their way out, they, they, they take, or, or the Egyptians volunteer all their money. We talked about that last time, all, the, all their gold and all their stuff. They give it to them. They head out into the wilderness, and Israel, who's been enslaved for 400 years, go out, goes out into the wilderness, and they're this powerful, rich nation, <laughs> It's just bizarre. They don't have a home. They don't have a spot to live. 
Uh, they're heading towards where they're supposed to live in the promised land. In the meantime, they're in tents. They're, even the place of worship that they have, which is the most established place in their society, is portable. They pick up, move it, and they don't have gardens. They don't have homes. They don't have shelters, just all tents. Their canvases, all that. That's what they live in in that time. And so without a home and, and living in the wilderness, you'd imagine they're not going to survive for very long. When you look at, when I watch the series alone, these are like specialists in figuring out how to find food and how to find water and how to do these things in the wild and they can't hardly survive. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to make it a hundred days. No one ever has even made it a hundred days. And so you think Israel heading out into the desert wilderness. How are they going to do? I don't know what you think of when you think of Egypt. I think of sand. I know there's some fertile spaces too, but I think of hot, dry, sandy, maybe like snakes and scorpions. You know, that's what I think of when I think of Egypt. Well, that's that's the area that they're in. And they leave into that space Base and, and you think, well, how will they ever survive? What will they drink and what will they eat? And, 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 and all of a sudden, God has this plan and, and provides for them something called manna, this bread in the wilderness. He provides for them water and manna. You think, well, that's great. Manna enough to, to feed them. That's awesome. And for one day? No, not, not for one day. In fact, for for 40 years. And for how many people? For two to three million people. God provides in the wilderness, in the desert, in an uninhabitable space, without them cultivating the land, without them planting gardens or vineyards or orchards or anything, they are provided for by manna. It says in Exodus 16, 35, The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to the land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. So until the very end of the the time that they were supposed to uh, uh, be into this promised land, they were eating something called manna. They were chowing down on something that, that, that uh, they, they had never provided for themselves. And so we're going to look for the next few weeks about what in the world was this manna stuff? What in the world uh, was it? Who was God in this? What does it provide? What does it teach us about God? Because this became a miracle that, that was talked about for generations and generations and generations. In fact, today we're going to start off by uh, uh, looking at a time that it was talked about 1,400 years later. When people were actually interacting with Jesus and hearkening back to the days of manna and the days of Moses because for generations people would be looking for that kind of deliverance. If God would send us another Moses who would give us some more manna, if God would send us another leader that would provide us in that way, then we would know that God is with us. Then we would know God is near. And they would talk about it over and over. We can still hold on because God gave us Moses and God gave us manna. And so somewhere along the way, we, we, we know that God will deliver us in that same way again. So 1,400 years later, Jesus shows up actually gives us a a clearer understanding of what in the world that manna was supposed to be in the first place. Jesus has just fed 
thousands of people, 4,000 people, with a few loaves and some fish. That's not his only feeding. He did that again with 5,000 people with a couple, a couple loaves and a few fish. He, he fed uh, 5,000 and 4,000 men, actually, plus the women and children, and then had baskets full of food to come back afterwards. And as he does that, then he carries on to a new city, but a bunch of people follow him and say, wait a sec, wait a sec, we want to see more. John 6, verse 26 to 35 says this. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So Jesus is saying, listen, you're all here looking for for that quick fix miracle. You're all here looking for that one thing that, that, that might satisfy your need. You all recognize there's an emptiness within you. You all recognize there's, there's a hunger within you that, that you want something, that you, 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 there's something you're missing in life. There's something that you, you wish you could resolve within yourself. You, you all are in that spot. And, but instead of you recognizing me as someone who's, who's delivering you, as me as a miracle worker, me who, who can accomplish something great, you're not just coming to me, you're coming just for miracles. You're not coming for a relationship, you're coming for miracles. He says, do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. In other words, you're going to try to satisfy yourself in your life in, with a number of different things. In our world, we know that people try to satisfy themselves with, with all sorts of different things. Work, the next promotion, sex, you know, their own lust, eating, shopping, maybe, maybe even, even good things, just, just activities that take our mind out, whatever we, we think of. Sometimes it's exercise. That's what we try to satisfy ourselves. It's image, and that, that, will, that will be the thing that satisfies us. And they all come up to Jesus and say, will you give me the next miracle? Will you give me the next thing that will satisfy me? Will you give me the next thing that will make me happy for a little while? And Jesus is saying to them, don't you recognize that the things that you're trying to fulfill yourself with don't actually fulfill you? Even, even miracles, even uh, calling on God and saying, would you meet me in this miracle? Would you do this thing? Would you, would you bring about this healing? Would you accomplish this thing? Did you know that even those things will not satisfy you, will not give you an eternal fulfillment? He says, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So Jesus says, listen, I will give you eternal life. I will give you what satisfies you for eternity. God has empowered me to do that. And you can imagine in that moment thinking, well, yeah, I want that. They said, they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? It's a common thing for us to think as religious folks, if you're a religious folk, it's common for us to think, okay, God, if you're going to do good things for me, what's it going to take for me to do whatever I have to do so I can get that? 
What do I need to do so that you'll do good things for me? What do I need to do so that I can have that eternal life thing? What do I need to do? What do I need to give up? You know, what do I need to not have anymore? Do I have to watch less Netflix? Do I have to turn off that show? Do I have to read the Bible a certain What do I have to do so that I can get what you like? Let's write up a contract. Show me what I'm signing on for and what do I have to do? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. You think, yeah, I do. Amen. Done. I believe in you, Jesus. Totally. I bump into people all the time who say they believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And this other God, and this other way of thinking. And, and I mean, Jesus is great, but as long as I get th- to do this, and oh, Jesus, oh yeah, I totally believe in some of the good things that Jesus taught. He was a nice guy, wasn't he? Wasn't Jesus so nice? So nice. Love him. Cool. Yeah, he's a really great guy. Love Jesus. Lots of people say I believe in Jesus, but here's what Jesus is actually putting himself uh, uh, against. Here they are saying I want a miracle, and Jesus is saying, well, I have something better than just a miracle for you. I have something better than just a, 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 a little fancy thing that's going to you know, t- tickle your your." whatever, tickle your fancy. I've got something a little bit more for you. And they're like, okay, well, what do we have to do? And he says, well, you have to believe. You have to believe in me instead of that miracle. You have to believe that what I have for you is better than that miracle. In other words, Jesus is saying here, if you don't get that miracle, will you still believe? If you don't get that thing turning out the way that you think it should turn out, am I still the savior of your soul? If you don't get to experience life the way that that person experiences life, do you still believe that I'm everything that I say I am because you're looking for a miracle? I'm saying that I have something better for you, but you have to believe that I have something better for you. And so when you pray and it doesn't happen the way that you think it should, when you, when you, when you want something and it doesn't turn out the way you think it should turn out, are you still believing that I have what's best for you do you believe in Jesus that much because that's what he's putting himself against here you either pursue a miracle or you pursue the miracle worker and the miracle worker is going to decide what the miracle looks like in your life So he says, you just need to believe in me. And then you can see where the people have gotten stuck because the next thing they say is this. What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? They say, look, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, the bread in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're like, look, look, Jesus, we're... Well, we like you, and, and we think you're great. We're here because we think you're great. Don't you know that? Uh, but, you know, it's sort of hard to believe in you. Believe, you're calling yourself the Son of God. You're calling yourself heavenly. You're sent from the Father to us. I mean, that's hard for us to believe. It's a, a bit of a wrestle for us. And, and look, we don't want to offend you. We 
don't, we, we do believe, but can you just show us a miracle so that we truly can? Because Moses gave bread. Can you give us bread? Could you just show up with bread? And here's the catch. Here's the crazy thing. Yesterday, Jesus fed 4,000 people with a little bit of bread and some fish. He just did feed people with bread. In fact, the only reason these people are with Jesus right now is because he did that miracle yesterday and they want to come and see another one. And then he's like, well, you've got to believe in me, not the miracle. And they're like, well, can you do a miracle and then we'll believe in you? He's like, I just did. Yesterday. That's why you're here. Did you forget why you came to me in the first place? See, I think Jesus might be stirring up a culture, a generation, a people that believe in Jesus so much that they're not just just chasing around some little miracle or something that feels good, but something that actually is is beyond feeling, something that is beyond just, just understanding, something that is bigger than what we can get our heads around. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. Because they're like, Jesus, you might be as good as Moses. He's like, it's not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the bread from heaven. God was giving you that bread. And it wasn't just to provide for you. It wasn't just to give you a miracle. It wasn't just to sustain you. In fact, it it didn't sustain you. It says, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Love their answers. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Life. You want to give us bread that's full of light? Oh, that sounds great. The bread from heaven is going to give us all life? That, that's awesome. What does life mean? Like, will I, how many motorbikes will I get to own then? Well, I, how many houses will I get? Life, oh, life. How healthy will my kids be? That sounds awesome. How smart will I be? Oh, I want the life that makes me feel really happy all the time. How many times will I get to go to Disneyland every year if I have that life? Will I be immune from COVID? Like, will COVID just not touch my, my country? Oh, that will be the best. I'll get life. Yes, it's so awesome. Give that to me. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Oh. What? Can I have the miracle? He says, I am the miracle. Well, can I have the sustenance? I am the sustenance. Well, could I have life and life to the full? I am life and life to the full. Jesus says, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me, when they're full of anxiety, when they lose their job, when they're dealing with a broken marriage, when they're struggling with addiction, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me, 
believes in me above their circumstances changing, believes in me beyond a miracle happening in that moment, believes in me beyond everything looking exactly how they want it to look in their life. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this bread that came from heaven in the wilderness because it's this massively key, important piece in Israel's history and the people of God's history. Uh, just this crazy miracle of God providing in such, a, uh, in such a unique, amazing, incredible way. But what we're going to discover as we go through that is, is a, a lot about God's character, a lot about how he wants the people of God to interact with God, a lot of how he wants them to interact with one another. He sets up a lot of patterns through how they deal with the manna, how they gather the manna, how it's delivered to them, all of that. We're going to look into that for the next few weeks, but we're going to recognize also in the next few weeks that God wasn't setting them up with a miracle because miracles saved them. He was setting them up with the miracle of bread to point to the real fulfillment the real satisfaction, the one who would not spoil, who didn't have an expiry date, Jesus Christ, that didn't need to do fancy and amazing things for everyone to, to, to all of a sudden get to heaven, but he just needed to show up to invite everyone to life and life to the full eternity with him. He just came and he brought it. He says, if you want eternal life, come to me. It's not about what I give you, it's about who I am. It's not about what I can do for you day to day. It's about the fact that I came and did one massive thing for you, removed every barrier between you and God. So if you want relationship with Him, just come to me. You will know it. Well, will I also know riches? Some will, some won't. Will I also know perfect health? Some will, some won't. Will my family dynamics all come together for the good? Some will, some won't. Will every temptation that I've ever had fall away? Some, sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. Well, well, if I don't get that, how can I believe in you? Because I need to see a miracle. And here's the miracle. Jesus Christ came and said, You who have known sin uh, don't need to be separated from God forever. You who have sinned and hurt the heart of God don't need to be separated from Him forever. In fact, Jesus who knew no sin would take on your sin, put it to the grave so that you could know forever a perfect relationship with God if you'd choose Him. Well, what do I have to do? Choose Him. You need to stop trying to fulfill yourself with the bread of every other satisfaction in your life and start fulfilling yourself with the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Not just receiving his miracles, but receiving him as the perfect, satisfying, eternal fulfillment for you in all circumstances forever so I want to pray for you and then I'm going to give you a few minutes and 
We're going to carry on with a bit of the scripture that leads actually into, into a time of communion together. But as we start to look at the, the manna in the wilderness, the bread in the wilderness that God was giving to his people and sustained them for so long, and as we learn about some of the relationship that God wants to have with us, it starts here. So it, We can't read the New Testament without the Old Testament. We can't read the Old Testament without the New Testament. It's all given to us in one space. God did all of that, not just to sustain a people, but to point to the bread of life that would come. Jesus gave us a new picture of what sustaining and fulfilling looks like in our life, and it looks like our relationship simply with Him. And us allowing Him, not the miracles that He can give, but just Him, His presence and His life, to meet us in the time of brokenness, challenge, overwhelm, and anxiety, and allow Him to be every sustenance that we need for eternity. Some of you today, even in your living room, are going to accept Jesus as the only sustenance you need, as the true bread of life, where you thought you've needed to look under a number of different rocks and a number of different caves and a number of different addictions and a number of different spaces for satisfaction. Today, his, his, Jesus is drawing you into a relationship and saying, just come to me. Like he says here, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Today I want to give you a chance to do exactly that, to come to Him and to believe in Him. That's it. Believe that He's all you need. Believe that there is no other God that you need. There's no other vice that you need. It's not Jesus and it's just Jesus. So in this moment, would you maybe bow your heads and close your eyes if you're in a place that you can do that? Don't take your eyes off your kid if they're playing in a dangerous <laughs> way. But if you have a moment to just close your eyes and, and receive what Jesus has for you, why don't you go ahead and do that? You can lift your hands like this. Today, even if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord, as your only fulfillment, as your bread of life, He's inviting you to do so now. Neither with your mouth or in your heart would you just repeat after me. Jesus, forgive me for pursuing every other sustenance. For looking for satisfaction every other place. Jesus, now it's clear that you are the bread of life. You're the only one I need. Show me how to receive you and you alone. And to never go hungry. And to never go thirsty. And to know your fulfillment, your joy, and your eternal hope for me. Help me see the real bread of heaven, the provision of Jesus Christ 
and my salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you, um, whether you just made a decision to follow Jesus or this has been something you've been doing for a long time, we're going to take communion. And communion, uh, we're going to read about it in a second, but it's just us identifying with the body and blood of Jesus Christ and recognizing that His body and his, His body that was broken and blood that was shed for us is our only way to eternal hope, our only way to righteousness. And so we're going to take communion together. I want to encourage you to go somewhere, and uh, maybe to your kitchen or pantry or something, and find some kind of drink, water, milk, grape juice, orange juice, whatever you can find, uh, and, and, uh, and some, some sort of carb, <laughs> uh, bread, or a rice cracker, or something. And uh, we're going to take communion together. I'll lead you through it in just a moment. And so we're going to give you a little countdown. Go ahead, grab a couple of the emblems. And uh, if you believe in Jesus, we want to do this with you. So on three, go. One, two, three, go. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're going to take communion together, and um, I'm using a different scripture than I normally use for communion because we're just carrying on in the story that we were reading previously. Now we're John 6, 47 to 60. And Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. In other words, it wasn't enough for them. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus is talking about when he will be punished and beaten and broken and put on a cross for the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Which is a crazy thought. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up for the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. I don't know if you're like me, you're sort of wishing, Jesus, would you just stop saying that? Sounds crazy, but what Jesus is saying is those who identify that the suffering and brokenness that he underwent, the, the, the tearing of his body, the shedding of his blood, that is the key to salvation, not his miracles, not his great working, not him making us rich. His brokenness is what we need to receive into us if we want his salvation. says, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching at the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And a lot of people all of a sudden left him, and then Jesus says, uh, it says, from that time on, his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. But then Jesus says, you do not want to leave too, do you? To his disciples. And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, this is a hard teaching. 
but if it's you and your suffering and your brokenness that we have to receive into our lives. You're God. We're going to follow you. So hopefully you went and got some bread, something to drink, something that we can do together. And, and the bread is meant to be a reminder to us of the broken body of Jesus Christ. That he was willing to sacrifice himself so that all of our unrighteousness could be put in the grave and we could know his righteousness. We could know, he would know the punishment that we deserved. We could know the reward that he deserved. So why don't together we take this bread and remember the broken body of Jesus Christ. Also, Jesus instructed his disciples to remember his sacrifice and his brokenness by drinking a drink together and remembering the blood that he shed. Today, the blood that Jesus shed saves you. If you'll receive it and accept what he did for you, believe that it was enough for every sin to be washed away in your own life, then this means everything to you. Let's drink whatever drink you have and remember the blood that shed by Jesus Christ, that he loves us and that it was enough for our salvation and our healing. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you that you're enough. Thank you, Jesus, that, that there are all these miracles throughout Scripture which are amazing and incredible and point to your great glory and your great pl- power. But it's not miracles that will save us. It's Jesus that will save us. So we remember you. We know you. We believe in you trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks for joining us today uh, for this service. Bye-bye.